0: Hi guys, and welcome back to the Rage Active Podcast. My name is Rachel J. I am your host. I'm also a coach and the founder of Core30. I'm really excited to welcome my guest to the show today. She is a professional MMA fighter. She's a former wrestler with the Australian National Wrestling Team, and she's also fought professionally in Muay Thai and just come off her first amateur boxing win. Welcome to the show, Win Ha. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited that we could finally have this chat because we've sort of been teeing this up for a little while and yeah. um, we're both coaches, we both coach out of tribute boxing and so we'd sometimes be in the gym and I'd start asking you questions <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, I've got to just hold back. And yeah, you're like, I'm going to
1: save that. Save it I'm for the podcast.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I'm so excited that we get to just formally have a, a chat. <laughs> <laughs> so what's really cool about, you know, what you do as a fighter in martial arts and boxing um, and just sport in general, I feel like... You know, historically, sport has been quite male-dominated and especially particularly with martial arts and boxing. Yeah. You know, even now, I I know that there's a lot more females getting involved in it, but, you know, I'm a huge advocate for, for females leading in the space and inspiring other people to pursue this particular sport. So I'm really curious to know how you even got into MMA to start with, being that it's such a... I guess, yeah, male-dominated arena.
1: Yeah, so I didn't do any sports when I was in primary school. I was not an active kid. Like, I was always the last person they picked when they picked the teams. Really? Yeah, so I I didn't do any sports. And uh, I always wanted to do some kind of combat sports because I grew up – I was an only child, so I grew up watching a lot of TV, a lot of, like, Chinese kung fu films with my my grandma. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, that's so cool – I just want to be able to defend myself and also just to be like a bad bitch kind of thing. (laughs) Yeah, nice. Now, you know, I always wanted to do that and be that. Um, But I didn't, like, I didn't do any sports. So my mum was always like, oh, you should do martial arts, put you in karate or something. And I always thought that I was too old for it, even as a kid. Because in Australia, it's such like a... A strong sporting community like if you want to get anywhere in sports you have to like you've started when you were five yeah right everyone always like all that all the kids at school they had been doing their sports since they were you know year one prep whatever so I was always the non-athletic kid you know and I thought oh it's too late I'm shy I was very shy kid um and so I never did any of that and it wasn't until I got to high school that I started getting into fitness. I started um, participating in sports. Didn't do great. But, you know, I had the drive. You know, I, ha- I, I tried hard. Okay? <laughs> you had the heart. I wasn't good, but I tried. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and it was my auntie's boyfriend who did Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. And he was always like, you should do it. You should try it. And he was always talking about it. Like, we talked as if we were friends. And, um, and I was always like, I'm too old. I'm too old. And, you know, everyone's going to be so good. And, you know, and I didn't know that. It was a very new sport, um, and then one day I uh, I quit guitar lessons at school. I was in year nine, and you know I'm a very impulsive person, like you know. So I was like, oh, I should probably pick something else up now that I have all this free time. And I was like, I'm just gonna do martial arts. And I put in Google. I googled martial arts Melbourne, and a gym came up. I had no idea what MMA was, but it sounded good. They had a kids program, and um, jumped into that and. Wow. Yeah. So that's how I got into it. I didn't know I didn't even know what the sport was right. when I did
0: it. So did you start straight into MMA or did you go into jiu-jitsu to begin? No,
1: I started with with straight MMA. Right, okay. Because yeah. I
0: feel like so many people that uh do MMA now started with something else Definitely. and kind of like broadened their scope into so, MMA. Yeah.
1: So with my age, like I was kind of the first generation like um that started could start MMA as is, like, yeah. as a sport, like before that, it was always you came from boxing, you came from jiu jitsu, and then became M- MMA became a sport because MMA didn't really become a thing um, until very recently. Yeah. So, for when I stepped in, it was like you can actually just start MMA.
0: Like, wow. yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's it's one of those things that, yeah, is that that's not a common story. I don't, I don't feel, I've yeah, heard exactly. That yeah, um, one of the things I have sort of like heard you say on maybe another interview or podcast or something was that you know, there is this link between um, your mental health and getting into martial arts or MMA. So I'm really curious to know what was going on. Was there something that was going on in your life at that time that kind of drew you into that, uh, you know, into that sport? Aside from, you know, sort of being, um, you know, people around you doing it. But was there something going on in your life?
1: I think like what drew me to MMA was the challenge because – Obviously, I tried out different sports, basketball, soccer, hockey, all these team sports, well, tennis as well. Mm -hmm. And I was never passionate about it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I started MMA that I was really found a passion for it. And I think it's because it's so challenging and it's so different. Um, And it's also like kind of weird to say, but you get hurt. And it's 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 like real world implications. It's right. just you know, and really brought that fighter out of me. Like my mum was a you know, she wasn't a fighter physically, but she was like you know, she always like. She's very a very strong, independent woman. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. like so kind I, of that kind of characteristic. Exactly. Within and also like as a teenager or, and as a child, I was super shy, super quiet, and I didn't really know how to express myself. And I didn't, you know, sometimes I felt quite alone um, because I was so shy. And MMA really gave me that community. And it allowed me to express myself physically
0: and bring that out. Mm -hmm. So challenge yourself in in that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I know a lot of people um, that I've spoken to who have started boxing. I know myself. When I started boxing, the one thing that I found um, that was, you know, really great about the sport, and it's something that I never thought that I'd like either, is just kind of being challenged mentally and physically because not only do you have to, I guess, push yourself in that arena of – the physical, just the fitness, the cardio fitness aspect of it, but the combat Mm -hmm. part of it. But then also mentally you need to um, kind of challenge yourself to get you to the next level, I suppose. Yeah. So, you know, now that you have been competing in the professional space, um, obviously it's a little bit different than when you first started. What challenges you now, either physically or mentally, with MMA? Um.
1: Obviously, it's still a challenge getting into the into the cage or the ring. Like, it's still scary. Mm. Um, but now it's more so as a career, like um, a career opportunity and seeing how far I can get into the sport uh, and, yeah.
0: Into the arena. Yeah. It's the world arena, right? Exactly, yeah. Because yeah. so you're, 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 what's your big goal?
1: Yeah, Um. hopefully the UFC. UFC, you know? which yeah. is like the world stage. Yeah, really, exactly. Right? Like, yeah. before when I first started, it was more like, Am I going to enjoy it in the ring? You know, am I? Am I, It's more of a challenge with myself. But now it's more. It's more than that. Um, it's become you know a much bigger thing.
0: Mm. One thing that I'm I have touched on with you before, but I'm so curious to know this about fighters there is obviously different varying degrees to which you can participate in MMA or boxing or one of those sports, right? There's, you know, you can do it for fitness, you can do it for combat or whatever, and then there's different levels. And like you were saying, moving up into UFC, that's obviously like the the top, top place that you want to be. But to be able to fight somebody and hit somebody, right – there, there is a difference there between just doing it for fitness. Like, you know, with yep. boxing, you can hit pads, you can hit the heavy bag, get a good workout, learn the technique. But then when you move into actually fighting with mm-hmm. somebody, I'm so interested by what is it that gives you this desire yeah. to hit somebody. <laughs> and if it's not hit somebody – like win I guess what what is that
1: I mean I can only speak for myself so some other people might be like oh you know I just like the challenge or whatever but like when I get in there like I want to kill this person (laughs) 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 you know like I want to hurt them and it's more so like when I get in there like I have to win and how I'm going to win is that I have to put them down right bring them down right because otherwise they're going to do it to me so it's a very much a survival thing yeah, very like primal instincts like just kick in.
0: So what you know when the first time when you actually got in the cage and and fought somebody, or even like with sparring, because I guess sparring is yeah. a lead in into yeah. that. Like you get a taste of it. Um, and I've only just recently, you know, I haven't been sparring for very long, but it's a completely different ball game. Yeah. So what then? What is it that that makes you want to hurt that other person? Is it just more so that you just if you don't do it, then they're gonna do it to you? Yeah. But then even to step into the cage, what is that? What's that piece, like the desire piece to step in there? Because I think –
1: I feel like with sparring, like it's still friendly. You know the person you're with, you're friends with them. But when it actually comes to a fight, like you both are trying to hit each other hard. For me, for me personally, I think it's more so that if I don't do this, they're going to do it to me. Yeah. So I have to do this yeah. I have to bring out all my skill sets and just do a good job or, yeah. ho- you know, if not then...
0: Yeah, you have to win. Exactly. Right. So then, you know, when you win, what does that give you?
1: Yeah, well, it, it feels so good. Like it, mm. it doesn't equate to anything like anything else, right? And I think that's what keeps bringing me back is that feeling of winning and sometimes, you know, you get in the ring And you're like, why am I doing this? This is awful. You're in the middle of getting hit or getting beat up. And it's so hard. But it's that feeling of winning that brings you back. And just, I think, really weird analogy. But I'm currently, I just finished finished reading a book about this woman who accidentally got pregnant. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) (laughs) random.
1: But I think it's very much like um, how women will go through pregnancy and go through that whole childbirth experience but it's so worth it in the end when the baby comes out I think it's the same kind of feeling right you go through that fight camp it's awful you go through the fight it's awful some people you know it's at the end of the day it's it's pretty awful but it's that winning that just yeah. feels so good and you're that like makes you know it all worth okay it. I'm gonna do it again you know? yeah 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 so
0: yeah it must be so good because because obviously when you go through the process it's like there's yeah. a lot to deal with so then what happens if you don't win it's just awful. <laughs> it's Not <worth> it. <laughs> do you do you, if you come off a fight where you've you've lost? Yeah. Then what kind of what process do you go through? Do you are you like depressed or?
1: Yeah, it's it's a huge journey, um, coming from a loss. So I mm. my last pro MMA fight, I got knocked out pretty early in the first round. Oh shit! So um, it was pretty bad, and I had lost before in um, in Muay Thai uh, and and in, in other. Um, uh, combat sports but it wasn't the same as this one because this one was the most important to me in terms of career um, and it's a whole range of emotions you know you have these highs and then the lows and like winning is the best thing in the world losing is the worst thing in the, <laughs> the <world>. opposite <laughs> side of the scale <laughs> exactly and you, you know you really need a good support system if you're going through that yeah, um, because you know you go through you go through the camp you go through the fight and when you lose, it's just so it's just so awful. Even when you're losing a fight, let's, you know, it, even if you don't lose, like even if you're in a fight and they're getting, you know, the best out of you, it's really demoralising, you mm. know, and you have to really push through that. So when you actually lose a fight, or, you know, in my instance, I woke up and I had my head like through the ring and I was like, what is going on? And then had to get wheelchaired out in front of the audience. Like oh, it was just man. so like... I was just like, don't look at me, don't look at me. I feel so embarrassed, you know, and, and I cried so much in the back room waiting to get my physical done by the doctors and I just felt so shit and, you know, and the, it was like the room of like all the people who just lost their fights with their injuries waiting oh, to see man. the doctor and the, the vibe was <laughs> not good. <laughs> low, low vibe,
0: <laughs> low vibe. Yeah,
1: but, you know, um, luckily I have come a long way um, in my MMA journey and been through losses before that I was able to pick myself up pretty easily afterwards but it was just that initial moment where I did lose and it was it just rock bottom like what why am I doing this and I was like I'm never gonna fight again and I felt like I had just let down everyone on my team everyone who supported me all my sponsors like it's just you know, mm. but then you realize, like everyone loses MMA fights. You know, ever you go in, one of them's gonna win, one of them's gonna lose. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, You know, and so many of my mates have lost fights, as we all do, and and people are still there for them, and then they fight again in the next few months. So. Yeah. Well, you
0: can't. Well, you can't. Is it really realistic to expect to win every single exactly. fight? Exactly,
1: and that's a there's a very small percentage of people who actually go undefeated. You know, for for the a entire career. Exactly, yeah. and that, those are the guys who you know are at the top of the UFC. So, mm. yeah, it just happens.
0: One of those things. Exactly. I guess that's what happens with competitive sport. I mean, there's yeah. going to be a winner and there's going to be a loser, exactly. right? So it's kind of part of the part of the journey. It's, I guess It definitely is. Yeah, yeah. and
1: and for uh, someone said to me recently, it's better to have your losses early than later on because you learn to deal with that. Like, for example, you know, let's say you go undefeated and then uh, you lose when it actually, you know, it matters and you don't know how to deal with it. That's going to be a problem. Yeah,
0: um, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So you can u- use those experiences, I guess, as, as learning experiences. It definitely.
1: And that's how I see mine now. You know, now I know what to work on. I know what I did wrong. And, you know, if I lose again, I'm. it's not going to be the end of the world. <laughs> yeah, you survived it. So you exactly, know you get through exactly, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Awesome. You know. So... We, you know, you touched on kind of your pre-camp and training camp and obviously each – prep into each fight is different, I guess, yes. and, and for different fighters and their, their preparation is different. So I'm really, uh, you know, eager to chat to you about what your prep is like for a fight, you know. Mm-hmm. W- what would you do on average, I guess? How long is your training camp for and how many – you know, what, yeah. what does it consist of?
1: Yeah, so I haven't fought for like two years or so in MMA because of COVID. COVID, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> COVID. Um, <laughs> And so a lot has changed in my circumstances since then. Um, I used to live in Thailand and I trained there full-time. So my last camp was there, um, whereas now I'm based in Melbourne and training in a different gym. Uh, so the circumstances would be different. But it would still be a six- to eight-week camp. Um, I would train every day and, and and dieting.
0: So training every day, is that. what does that consist of? Is that... Mostly, is it a combination of sparring drills? Like what? Yeah. What specifically yeah. do you
1: sparring, d- drilling, technique, um, specific technique for the fight? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then like in the last, the last couple of weeks, tapering down on the sparring just to avoid any injuries or any cuts. Got you. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. And then because you've trained both at you pr- trained out of Tiger Muay Thai in Thailand. Yes. And then here in Melbourne, you train out of resilience. Resilience. So. Do you note a difference in the approach to training in Western, because Melbourne essentially mm, is, you know, predominantly yeah. Western, Western culture as opposed to Asian culture?
1: Well, the thing is, um, the gym, uh, Tiger Muay Thai, where I trained out of, uh, the MMA part of it was all run by Westerners. So, right. yeah, my coaches were American wrestlers. So, it was very, very similar. Okay. Yeah.
0: Interesting. The way that they approach MMA over there though, yeah. is it different to here?
1: Well, I, it's different at every gym um, okay. based on kind of what their ba- what the coaches' backgrounds are and um, the kind of fighters that they have. So over there it was very um, wrestling based, you know, yeah. um, lots of wrestling and then a lot of striking too because people come all over the world to come to Thailand to improve their Muay Thai and their striking. Uh, whereas at Resilience it's a judo gym. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of very good um, judokas, and yeah, lots very uh, grappling based as well.
0: And there's different because obviously with MMA, there's different. You go into a fight knowing your strict because there's certain strengths that you have. Yeah. For- People are uh, better at grappling, obviously, people better at striking and whatnot. And so, obviously, it depends on what the base is for that gym, I yeah, guess. Exactly. Right, what it sounds yeah. like, yeah. So, then you also touched on dieting, which is like weight cutting is like a huge thing, obviously, <laughs> yeah. in combat sports. And I think to me, like walking into being surrounded by people who are MMA fighters and boxers. Yeah. It is insane. the kind Stay of Stay away from
1: them on fight week. Yeah, <laughs> and they'll be don't... grumpy. Don't take it personally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's so hectic though. Like we um, obviously at Tribute, there have been quite a few coaches that have gone through fights yeah. uh, at the same time. And so we had Sammy Miles go up to Gold yeah. Coast and fight. And I remember talking to him like two weeks out <laughs> and he still had like eight kilos to cut, yeah. which to me is insane. It's yeah. like eight kilos, you're going to cut that in, in two weeks. Yeah. Um, and some of the others, uh, like Luke and, and Beck and stuff, they I think they kind of had more of a consistent um, weight loss towards their fight, so yep. it wasn't as drastic. But, you know, sometimes there is a huge weight cut mm-hmm. that you need to do. So usually when you fight, do you have to cut weight? Is there a large um, weight cut for you? And what are the kind of techniques that you use? Because there's different mm-hmm. things that people do yep. to cut weight.
1: So, yeah, everybody does do it differently and uh, – Previously, I was signed to uh, a show called One Warrior Series, which is under the banner of One Championship, and they banned uh, weight cuts. Really? Because, yeah, because someone died um, oh. weight cutting for their promotion. Right? Holy shit! It's super. It's shit. so dangerous. It's so bad for your body. And well, people, that drastic, that
0: yeah. that drastic weight and cut. And I really yeah.
1: disagree with it because people do it so they won't so their opponent won't be bigger than them, but then their opponent is doing exactly the same thing.
0: Right, the same.
1: Exactly, yeah. right. Yeah. But if you don't do it, then your opponent's going to be bigger than you, so you have to do it. Yeah. Okay, so one championship <laughs> banned weight cuts, which I love, and um, implemented hydration tests because most um, fighters, you know, they'll, they'll water load during the week, um, 10 litres of water a day or whatever, however much you want, and then in the last day they will lose all that water, sweat it all out until you literally just Nothing, like you, a skeleton. A <laughs> yeah, exactly, a yeah. prune, yeah. right? And it's so <laughs> bad, obviously. You know, And a lot of fighters have had to go to hospital because of kidney problems um, because of their weight cuts or died. Um,
0: oh my God. Yeah,
1: so we did hydration tests but it was also everyone had to kind of – the name of the division was the same. So I'm an atom weight, which is usually 48 kilos – um, but it would be Adam weight at 52 kilos.
0: Right. So you had more of a leeway. So you had,
1: it was more of people would just come in and weigh in as they normally are. Right. But dieted, which is normal, like a healthy diet. Um, and then have their hydration test to see if they're hydrated or not. So they haven't, you know, they're not depleted.
0: Oh, yeah. I see. So they, they check actually to see if you've actually, you know, cut your w- water. Yeah, exactly. Right.
1: Yeah. So it's a real, and, we, and you did that uh, the day before the fight and the day, before that, so you had consistency. You couldn't just do it – you couldn't pass the hydration test one day and then, you know
0: cut, – um, Cut weight the next it, day or exactly, something like that. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. So,
1: yeah, there were systems in place, which I loved. Um, but now I'm no longer with them, um, so I will have to fight at 48 kilos again rather than 52, which isn't a huge cut for me anyway. Um, about five – four to five kilos. Um, and so I prefer, you know, to kind of have a consistent diet – so that I don't have to suffer too much at the end of it, right? I'd rather just be consistent throughout the whole camp and get down as low as I can and then shed off, um, you know, the other weight later. I mean, you're dealing with so much during fight week anyway. It's the last thing you need to worry
0: about. That's one of the things that I think is insane because, you know, cutting weight in itself is, Is, is... Is hectic enough? Well,
1: most people say it's the hardest part, and I agree because (laughs) going through that is hell, and and
0: afterwards it's like, oh, okay,
1: I can finally get punched. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, (laughs) but then you've got to
0: deal with all the training and all your drills and sparring and and actually getting hit. So it's like there's so much going Mm -hmm. on, which is nuts. Which I so I like that that uh, promotion did that actually. Yeah, no, it's
1: really good. I yeah, yeah, I highly. respect that from them yeah Yeah.
0: with boxing it's a little bit less intense I feel like people do you know fighters boxers do cut weight but they have a little bit more leeway with the weigh-ins right I've, I've heard um in terms of like MMA I think you know there's a if you go to a normal, like, promotion where it's, you, you know, have to two, be 11, yeah, you have to yeah. be right on weight or maybe yeah. 200 grams either side. Whereas boxing, I think, gives you a couple of kilos depending yeah. on your weight division. Um, and you've just come off your first amateur boxing yeah. win, which yeah. is so exciting. So, congratulations Thank on you. that. So, this is huge because obviously going from MMA yeah. into boxing is massive because it's different. Yeah. So different. So, how did you find… Fighting as a boxer, not being able to use the rest of it, the elbows and the knees. I prefer it. There's a lot really? less to worry about. Nice. <laughs> you just have to
1: worry about their hands. You don't have to worry about their elbows or their legs or their feet or them taking you down. You just, <laughs> you just have to worry about their punches. So it it uh, gets rid of a lot of different factors. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So, um, yeah, in that sense, it's a lot, uh, a lot less to worry about, a lot more straightforward. And because we do a lot of – I've done a lot of boxing – um, because you need to know how to strike for MMA. Um, it, it was, you know, it was a pretty simple transition. And in, in sparring, we also do like only boxing rounds. So it's not like we I only do stri- MMA striking rounds. Um, we do boxing rounds. So I'm quite used to that.
0: Okay. So you did you find it easier to fight as a boxer? It
1: was – I wouldn't say it was easier because it's such a different pace. Mm. Yeah. So I was – I'm used to five-minute rounds in MMA And when I found out it was three two minute rounds, I was like, this will be easy. This will be so fine. I've, you know, I've do five minute rounds, you know, twice a week (laughs) at the the gym. (laughs) And I got in there and it was so fast paced. Uh, yeah, it was, I was. I felt very unfit. <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, because it was just it was just go 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 in MMA. You can kind of hang out, maybe not in a fight, but you know you can you can still kind of move around and see what the other person is doing and see how they're moving and maybe you can hug each other or, or whatever. Yeah. But in boxing, there was none of that, and my opponent just kept walking forward, so it was just go the whole like there was no time to stop and rest. It was go for the whole two minutes as opposed to like five minutes where you're like. A minute or so <laughs> you're just like hanging around, <laughs> dancing a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Oh, well, that's so
1: fascinating. Yeah, and that was great. I really liked it because I was, I, I, I don't know if I used to be. I, mean, I definitely used to be. I don't know if I still am. Is what <laughs> I'm trying to say. Uh, a slow starter in uh-huh. the ring. Yeah. And which is why it's just why I lost my last MMA fight, which is how I got knocked out because I hadn't switched on yet.
0: Right. But, yeah.
1: Gotcha. So in this boxing fight. Uh, two minutes so I was like, you really have to start quick Mm -hmm. and I really tried to do that and I did and I'm really proud um, about that and, you know, I'd like to do more boxing fights just to be able to keep working that, you know, uh, fast pace and starting quick.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do you think that now that you've kind of entered into the boxing arena, will that change the way that you train?
1: Um, Yeah. I mean, obviously the end
0: goal is still MMA but – I will do more boxing, boxing session, yeah. like straight boxing session. Straight boxing got you. Um, one of the really fascinating things about you I think is which is really cool is like you've got this obviously martial arts combat sports side but you have this side which is like and I, I love this because I feel like I'm like this yeah. I'm just such a nerd burger. Yeah. <laughs> so you're a real avid reader right? Yeah. And you know I think I read somewhere that, I think on your IG or something that you read uh, 94 books in 2020. Yes which
1: was COVID by the way so. It was, that's insane. That was lockdown year. <laughs> <laughs> that's
0: so hectic. Tw- I don't
1: think I'll be able to do that many this year but you still read a lot i right? reading yeah yes, and you yes. like
0: books and so you know one of the things I would like to know and I know this is going to be hard to answer so we'll just kind of go through it slowly and maybe talk about each of these ones but I, I wanted to know what your top three favorite books are um, and what you what you've learned from each of them so let's say this <laughs> three notable books from your favorites list because I mean, you're not really going to be able to no. narrow it down. So three three that just kind of, like, come to okay. mind. So
1: last year I read The Tao of Wu by The RZA, mm-hmm. um, who is the guy that pretty much started Wu-Tang Clan. And it was – I wasn't expecting much. Um, but I was like, oh, this sounds cool. And it was awesome because it really – it was kind of like a memoir and it was – and his wisdom of growing up, like, in the streets, like – in the hood of New York City and how he brought, you know, all these thugs in and, 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 you know, kind of made this really cool community that that they all helped each other out and they were really focused on learning Mm -hmm. and becoming better Mm -hmm. and also, like, Wu-Tang Clan. So they were very, like, also into, like, kung fu movies as well. So there's a lot of that and I was like, I love this, you know. Like, I I didn't grow up in the streets but, like, you know, like I I, I resonate with this. Yeah, Um, yeah. And that was really amazing to see and it was really inspiring too because yeah. it's like it doesn't matter where you come from, it's about how you carry yourself. It's mm. not about the clothes you wear, it's about, you know, how how you are, who you are as a person it, and um, what you can do with that and how you can help out those around you. Yeah, I really yeah, like that. Yeah, it was, it was a really beautiful read, honestly. Mm, I loved it. That's a great it. message. Yeah.
0: Okay, so number two.
1: Number two, um, pro- definitely uh outliers Malcolm Gladwell that he, yeah did you read that no I haven't read okay. it okay that was the book that actually got me into reading so okay. I, I read a lot when I was a child and then um obviously high school was like I don't want to read <laughs> <laughs> and then start of uni was like I don't want to read like,
0: <laughs> now I have to read because yeah, so exactly, I don't want to read more <laughs> exactly um
1: and I, I got into I got into reading um when I was living in Thailand and I would come home from training and I would watch Netflix and then one day I was like you know what like in my downtime i could be doing something more um you know productive i wasn't watching like documentaries on netflix by the way i was watching like stupid shows yeah,
0: so I, yeah. that wasn't, you know, we all watch stupid shit on netflix exa- i still do i still do <laughs>
1: um but i was like i want to actually use this time to um get better mentally as well um so uh read outliers by malcolm gladwell and that's about Successful people, but and how they became successful. But it's very realistic. It's not like oh they worked hard and that was it. You know, it was also about their circumstances, their family backgrounds, and random like being the right person um, at the right time, kind of thing. Yeah. So it was. It was very. It was a very realistic way of looking at success. Yeah. But nice. also, it made me. For me, the most important thing that I got out of that was. There are some things that you can't control but the things that you can control, do the best you can, put yourself in the best position that you can put yourself in to be mm. so that that's my outlook with my career my training is that I have to do the best that I can do in the things that I can control
0: yeah so I that's
1: think. what I got out of that and, yeah. I, and I absolutely love that that's a great message yeah. too.
0: I, I mean that's one of the things I love about books is because I mean and everybody can take different messages yeah, from the same book you can read the same book and and read something completely different which is which is nuts I reckon yeah um so one other book oh one other book one more one other book oh gosh <laughs> or shall we talk about the alchemist
1: um, we can talk about The Alchemist.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> there's, there's, well, I guess, I don't know if it's one of your favorite books. Because
1: it, it was more of a fictional novel, you know? I not re- so much. Yeah, not so much. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. I, I wanted to chat to you about this because it has this message that I wanted to kind of bring out. So, The Alchemist is one of my favorite books. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the by Paul Coelho, if you haven't read it before. And one of the quotes that I really love from this book is when you're on your path, the universe conspires to help you and I guess the book kind of touches on a, a lot to do with kind of tuning into your inner guidance, wisdom, all that kind of stuff yeah. um, and especially if you're journeying through life down a path that may be not so conventional, I think it, yeah. it kind of um, really highlights that too. So, I wanted to kind of get your take on intuition is that something that you plug into um and how I guess your relationship with your inner voice or whatever I mean you can use different language for that yeah that part of you that kind of knows these things right inner wisdom whatever you know what what's your take on that what's been your experience with that part of yourself
1: for me it's a changing thing it's always um it's not like one set thing like this is this is you know this is my passion for the rest of my life or something like that. And, you know, it's always changing and you always have to kind of, just kind of go with the flow and, but also looking back and to see, you know, is this where I want to be going? Um, And, you know, is this right for me? And it's always about coming back and reflecting over that and just to kind of see and otherwise just um, take it how it goes really.
0: Mm. Do you have like moments where, you know, if you're making a decision or something like that where you can feel like, oh, this isn't right or it is right. Like, do you have those moments in your yeah, like like career or life definitely, or whatever? Yeah. yeah. And when you have to make decisions like that and I guess, you know, re- reflect. Yeah. What's the, what's the process that you go through?
1: Yeah. Um, Like we said, you know, we're both nerds. (laughs) I love writing things down. I love a pros and cons list, (laughs) even with my relationships. Oh,
0: no. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) (laughs) Don't tell your mate (laughs) that you do that. (laughs)
1: This person, pros and cons. (laughs) Obviously, you know you throw it in the bin
0: after after you've written it down. Don't do one of those things where Have you watched Friends? That episode no. where well, No, oh okay, yeah. Like Ross writes this list when he's de- deciding whether to be with Rachel or be with okay. know, some other chick, and then she finds a list. Oh, yep. not good guys. Yeah, okay. Don't write a list and let Don't, your yeah. partner find it. But anyway, continue. Oh dear. <laughs> um, <laughs>
1: yeah, so I like to see. I like to write things down and and see see it in person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah it, it feels good to write it down. Then you think about it during that time. Um, I like doing that. And then I also like to talk to my good friends. You know, people who you really trust and will tell you what you need to hear as well... Mm-hmm. ...about whether something's realistic um, or not. And yeah, just taking time to think about it. Because yeah, to be fair... If something's fun, I'll do it.
0: <laughs> I think Well, about that's it. a good indication, I feel like. Yeah. If, you, if you're enjoying yourself and you, it's giving yeah. you energy, right? Honestly, you're like, yeah.
1: why, why not? I'm just going to do it. And for me, like, I just want to have, like, good stories to tell, like, mm-hmm. when I'm older. So, I, if it's a weird experience, not too weird, obviously. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Don't
0: go too crazy, guys. Literally not that crazy. <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: like, if it could be a fun experience, like may as well try it. Like, the, you know, the worst you can have is maybe, you know, a funny
0: story. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see. <laughs> no, I like that. I yeah. like that approach because yeah. it's like, why not? You yeah, know? because
1: I think some people, like, they really get stuck into, should I do this? Should I do that? And they overthink it. Their like, overthinking is huge. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, you know, everyone wants to make the perfect decision but it's not about that always. Sometimes it's just about seeing how it goes and, and just having fun with it. Yeah. You know? And most of the time... I guess maybe most of the time, you know, it could yeah. be something good, yeah. Or at least you'll learn something from it.
0: Hundred percent, yeah. I really like that approach. That's yeah, so so good. So outside of reading, what other kind of things do you do to kind of switch out of fighter mode? Because obviously that's a that's a yeah. very specific mindset that you need to yeah. be in, and when you're training and whatnot. Um, so what other kind of things do you do? Well, honestly, like sometimes now I have a bit of trouble turning on fighter mode because we were in lockdown <laughs> for so long, okay. And <laughs> I am a
1: massive homebody. I love being in bed. Just got an hoodie. (laughs) Not sponsored. (laughs) Like, it's the best purchase of my life.
0: Hashtag not sponsored. I didn't even
1: get an hoodie. It was like some other brand that I had. it had a nicer design. (laughs) Um, And uh, and the other day I was sitting in bed and I was like, this is all I've ever wanted.
0: This is great. Why do I need to fight? Like, I could just lay here forever.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... Uh, I love lying in bed. I, I live. <laughs> I live on a pretty big block of land. Um, there's it's a lot of uh, it's very bush like. Um, there's about two hectares of trees, right? And and little random things like chickens and you know uh, a tree house that my mum built. I don't know. Um, so it's really easy. I, I love nature. I love being out. So I love going for walks. Um, and yeah, that and just kind of being around that. Uh, quiet environment you know I like
0: peace yeah yeah (laughs) I think it's an only child thing do you think oh 100% so much like I feel like a lot of people because I'm an only child as well right and so (laughs) I think people think it's weird right that that like why aren't you seeing people more or why don't you go out and do stuff and I'm like I I need a lot of time alone that's what you're
1: used to you know That's that's how we've grown up and and you know we, we get we get used to it we feel comfortable with it and you need it and especially when everyone's always going out and having fun and being so social it's uh you, you really need that time to switch off
0: 100% yeah. yeah i feel that i feel that i need a lot more too when cuz with our work what we do we're all around people all yes, the time yeah. so for me i i need so much time Alone yeah. to recharge, mm-hmm. so that I can be presentable in front of people. Yeah, again. definitely. Yeah, hundred yeah. um, percent. So, do you have any daily rituals or things that you have to do daily to kind of keep yourself in a you know a sense of overall well being, whether that's physically or mentally?
1: Yeah. So, in the morning, um, I do a bit of meditation. I try to do it every morning. Sometimes I don't, um, but I've noticed that on days that if I miss out for a few days, I'll just be stressed, mm. and I really need that time. And I, not even a, like good, like a not you're, not you're not supposed to be good or bad at meditating, <laughs> but you, you know, um, you know, I use an app. Like it's only ten, fifteen minutes every morning. Uh, it's a guided meditation, and it really just helps me, like, bring me like back to the present, like where I am now, what I'm doing, who I am, um, as opposed to thinking about uh, what am I doing for the rest of the week, what's on in the next six months, uh, and being caught up with every all all that stuff.
0: Mm. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I. I would say I'm the same. Like, I tried to sort of meditate, but the way that I'd meditate is more through writing. Yeah. And yep. so, like, uh, it kind of puts you in a good state for the day. And yeah. So then definitely. You, you kind of step into the day in a good, um, I guess, space, you know? Yeah, you, 100%. You, you feel really good. Yeah. So, this is another really interesting topic that I want to touch on with you because I feel like I don't really have this conversation with very many people. Being Asian or having Asian heritage, right? Yeah. And growing up in Australia. It's an interesting – well, I, th- I think it's a unique experience yeah. and only other Asian people, I suppose, <laughs> will understand. Yeah. So, I'm curious to know what it's been like for you growing up, you know, with Asian heritage in Australia. Do you feel like you have had to adopt more of a Western approach to living, to fit in, that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah, so – my family's pretty
1: interesting because my parents have been separated since I was a baby and my mum is really westernised. They're both Vietnamese and they were both Vietnamese refugees. My mum's really westernised and she loves Australia. She loves everything about it. And my dad is very Vietnamese. And wow. he, he came over when he was a bit older, so he was about 21 or so, and... Um, he loves like his Vietnamese culture and he loves Vietnam... ...because he grew up there. My mum came when she was um, very young. Mm-hmm. So she grew up more in Australia. And I lived with my mum. So it was a very westernised upbringing. Obviously she was still very strict <laughs> as an Asian <laughs> mother. I can't get rid of that. Um, uh, but yeah, so she... Uh, my mum's family grew up in the west side in Footscray, so a very Vietnamese uh, community, a strong Vietnamese community. And my mum wanted me to kind of get out of that and into a more um, white mm. community because she reasoned that she's going to grow up in Australia so she needs to know how to interact mm. um, with white people, which sa- might sound silly but it's it's a huge thing. And because I went to school with a girl, I went to a very um, white school um, and I had a Vietnamese friend who grew up in Footscray. So she, her primary school was all, all um, Vietnamese or Asian children. And when she came to high school, she admitted to me that she actually felt a little bit intimidated being there, which broke my heart. I had never thought about that because I went to a very white primary school mm-hmm. and it, it was very interesting for me. Um, but, yeah, I never felt like I didn't belong Obviously, when I bought dumplings to school, I did feel like I didn't belong because everyone was like, what is that smell? And I felt awful and it made me really sad because dumplings are the best thing in the they world. They are so good. Honestly, they <laughs> were missing out. Now they know because now everyone's like, ooh, Asian fusion. <laughs> but
0: back it's very trendy. Yeah, exactly. But back then it was like,
1: ooh, what is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Obviously, there were differences.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 of course. I think like it's, it's so fascinating. Like I, I'm kind of the same as you in terms of, being around i've been more around um i guess caucasian people yeah i don't have a lot of asian friends i don't you know run in in circles that have a lot of asian people in it and so for me i was brought up quite westernized in that regard but i think to you know it's interesting because you know being part of the mma space or the martial arts space obviously it's dominated by asia in terms of martial even talking about straight martial arts yeah but then you know when you are because you're studying as well yep. um and in your normal life you know just being in melbourne having the the two i guess communities mm-hmm. i feel like is that's such an interesting crossover right yeah
1: yeah 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 i really like that uh i can do both as well because mm-hmm. i love i love the um asian heritage of martial arts i think it's really cool and it makes me proud so i think yeah i it's really good to represent that. To have both. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's
0: really cool. So the other thing I like to talk about is failures yes. and rejection and fear, uh-huh. um, which is I feel like we all go through it. And especially, yeah. obviously, in your in your profession as a fighter, dealing like we touched on it before, dealing with um, loss. So aside from that, that particular loss that we talked about, what has been your greatest failure or rejection in life? Ooh. And what have you learned from it?
1: I think for me sometimes because I took a very uh, non-conventional path, sometimes I think that I failed um, in not – well, I haven't finished uni yet, but not finishing uni and going straight into a grad job and working a nine-to-five because all my friends do that and they're all doing very well. And sometimes when it's hard at training or, you know, um, when I don't have that much money in my (laughs) bank account, (laughs) I'm (laughs) like – why didn't I just do that, you know? Yeah. And then I think, well, I still can, so it's okay. Yeah. Um. But that's probably my biggest, like, yeah. I, I wouldn't say it's a failure because I always bring myself back to it and be like, no, but you're having fun and you always have options. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of the biggest conflict I have sometimes.
0: Yeah, and it and I think too, like, you know, when talking about sport, you know, if you're you're choosing to to kind of create this. This career path, it's yeah. not linear. No, it's not a linear. It's not set out for you. Exactly. And and I, you know, I've, I feel the same with, I've been in the entertainment industry. Yeah. It's the same as an actor, as an entrepreneur, as a, you know, what it is mm-hmm. that we do in the fitness industry. It's sort of the same that there's not really like you go to school, you do this, you yeah. do this, and then you work nine to five, get married, have kids, and die yeah. kind of thing, you <laughs> exactly. know. But I think that's the kind of fun part about not doing that yeah, in exactly. that way, right? Yeah. There's not that stability. And the, I guess, it's the comfort of knowing what the path is but then that's
1: it exactly because there's you know in what we do there isn't that stability um which can get kind of scary sometimes um but at the end of the day you know it's it's pretty fun like it's scary but it's like I don't know what I'm doing in the next few years but it's also really you know it's scary but it's fun yeah (laughs) yeah
0: so what is your life philosophy or your mantra like if you had kind of like a a kind of overarching statement of how you live life or think you should live life, what would that be?
1: Have fun with it. Have Um, fun with it? Yeah. I mean, we already touched on that before and Mm. it's just, you know, I want to have good stories. I want to be able to live life and have these great experiences and I don't want to look back on my life and say, I wish I did this and I wish I did that. Um, And for me... um, like, I have these bands on my arms, uh, tattoos. Yeah. Um, which nice. I'm actually getting rid of. I'm actually really? getting rid of, yes. Okay. Um, uh, not because I regret them, but because I feel like I'm I'm moving on to a different part of my life. Um, but they represent death and I've had them since I was eight, 19. Mm-hmm. And for me, that was – everyone's like, oh, that's a bit dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess it is, but, I, you know. Um, but for me, it was more so a reminder that – if I died today or tomorrow, what would I have wished that I had done? Mm-hmm. And for me, leading up to this moment, if if I had asked myself that every day, I wouldn't have regretted anything. Yeah. Like, I, you know, there are things obviously that I still want to do and I still want to see, but for the most part in what I've done with what I can, I've done it. Yeah. And I'm really proud of myself for that and I think that, you know that that's pretty much how i want to live like i just don't want to be like oh i'm going to do this and then um and then later on i'll do that oh, i'll i'll wait until I have this amount of money or this amount of whatever or this degree and then do that, I want to do what I want to do now. Yeah. And, and that's a big part of having fun with it and just doing what, whatever you want to do.
0: Yeah. I really love that. Yeah. What a an what amazing approach to life. And I think a lot of people get stuck in fear uh, um, to, to do yeah, things. Yeah. And it is know? scary because we
1: have so many pressures, you know, our parents, uh, societal pressures, like – Yeah, and cultural pressures. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It's yeah. like, really, you know, it's really tough.
0: Yeah. So just kind of focusing in on what you want to do, exactly back to your truth,
1: exactly, yeah. amazing,
0: um, yeah. awesome. Well, it's been so amazing to have you on the podcast. I'm so grateful that we got to yeah, sit down finally. and finally have a chat. <laughs> so, guys, if you want to follow Win, check her out on IG at win mma so the way that you spell that is u <laughs> y e n mma and also her website winha.com thanks so much for joining me thank you for having me it's been such a good chat and thank you guys for listening and i'll catch you on the next episode of the Rage active podcast